Um, pretend this is the first time you heard this. Luke, the 24th chapter, verses 13 through 32. Hear now the word of our Lord. Now that day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and the rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe that the prophets have spoken. Did, you, did not the Messiah have to suffer these things, then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said and all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were open and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? This is the word of God. You find its way into our hearts and lives this morning by the power of his Holy Spirit. Amen. So, last Christmas, I experienced, um, I guess some would say, a bit of uh, wish fulfillment. Because uh, last Christmas time, uh, here in the church, we had a Christmas pageant, and um, I was selected to play the role of Superman. <laughs> and I know you're looking at me, and, and you're thinking, well, that dude was born to play Superman. How has this not happened before? And, uh, and you'd be right. Uh, if, if Warner Brothers had known I was around, I'm sure they wouldn't have had to ask Henry Cavill to do it, right? They would have just called me up. <laughs> That's <wasn't> funny. <laughs> All right, okay. I admit, I'm probably not what you think of when you think of Superman, and that's okay. And I, I actually have kind of a theory about it. I, my theory about Superman is this, that whoever played Superman when you were a kid 
is, is who you picture when you picture Superman. I know for my dad and his generation, it was, it was George Reeves uh, was Superman uh, in, in, in the old Superman uh, TV show. Um, uh, probably uh, for, for my kids, it's Henry Cavill, right? Um, but I'll tell you who it is for me, and, and I think for some of you all as well, Superman is Christopher Reeves, right? That is Superman, right? I would know that face anywhere, wouldn't you? That is Superman. Look at that, that chiseled jawline, those piercing blue eyes, those broad shoulders. Anytime I see that face, I know that's Superman, unless he's wearing a pair of glasses, right? Then it, who is that guy? What did you do with Superman, four eyes, right? right? He just disappears in those glasses, doesn't he? Not really, <laughs> right? Not really. Uh, I don't know. I don't know who couldn't look at these two people side by side and not know that Clark Kent is Superman. That is the one thing out of all of it. Like flying, I get. Heat vision, I get. Kryptonite, I get. But 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 the fact that these people can't tell the difference. The fact that these people can't uh, tell uh, that, that, that without his glasses, Clark Kent looks a lot like Superman, right? And Clark Kent never seems to be around when Superman shows up. No one puts two and two together. Think of Jimmy Olsen, who's like Superman's best friend. He's a photographer. His job is to develop pictures of Superman, right? And he never makes the connection. Well, Lois Lane, Lois Lane, who loves Superman, she sees uh, Clark Kent on a daily basis every day, and, and she's rescued by Superman at least once a week, right? And she never quite puts two and two together. Now, it'd be one thing if her job were, say, you know, magician's assistant, Right? But her job is investigative reporter. <laughs> you would think that someone whose who's job is to, to like put the clues together would figure this out. But no. Her and a whole building full of investigative reporters never put two and two together. I find that unbelievable. Don't you? See, this Clark Kent problem is the problem we have in our passage this morning. See, we have two disciples, two disciples who, who, who have seen Jesus day in and day out for the last three years. People who have, have heard his voice, seen his face, who have pinned all their hopes and dreams on Jesus. They should know him when they see him. Right? The horn-rimmed glasses shouldn't throw them off. And yet, they spend an afternoon walking and talking with Jesus and never once recognize him. What's going on with that? Our passage doesn't really tell us. It says simply that they were kept from seeing him. It doesn't say by who or by what. Just that they were kept from seeing him. Now, um, as you can guess, theories abound, right? One is, uh, is, 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 is the resurrection body 
sort of idea that there was something maybe qualitatively different about Jesus' body after he had risen that, that sort of threw people off, right? Because uh, in, the, in 2 Corinthians, um, uh, Paul says that, that, that um, when, we, uh, when we die perishable, we, we lose the, 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 the perishable, bo- perishable body and we take on the imperishable body. And so there's this theory that maybe there's something about Jesus' resurrection body that, 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 that threw them off. Another theory is that maybe they were kind of in kind of a, a spiritual fog. There, were, there was something about being in the presence of Jesus and, 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 and they, were, they were locked out of understanding in some way. And so they were in this fog until Jesus left and then it was like, Aha, uh, Jesus was here. We actually see this in Scripture. You remember the story of Jacob and he's wrestling with God? It's in Genesis. Jacob is, is wrestling all through the night with this stranger, right? And, and doesn't know who the stranger is. And then it's only after the stranger's left that Jacob says, I have wrestled with God and I have overcome Right? There's this sort of sense that, that he was in this fog, that he didn't quite know where he was or who he was with, and it was only afterwards that he sort of put the pieces together. Maybe it's that. Maybe it's something a little different, a little simpler. I remember reading uh, about um, back in, in the, the late 70s, early 80s, there was a surge of um, refugees coming over from Cambodia. Um, they were fleeing uh, the evil regime of Pol Pot and the killing fields. And, uh, and, and, and so there were all these refugees coming over and doctors were noticing as they were sort of, um, uh, sort of giving them checkups that there was a much higher percentage a blindness in that population than in, in normal populations. And, and the blindness seemed to be, by and large, mostly the women. And they were sort of puzzled by this, and, and they wanted to get to the bottom of it. They wanted to make sure that uh, people weren't bringing over some, you know, some kind of viral strain or, 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 or that there wasn't some kind of a, a human rights abuse um, that, that wasn't being reported. And so they sort of tried to get to the bottom of this. And one thing they noticed really quickly is that, th- that these women who were blind, there was nothing wrong with their eyes. There was no signs of deterioration. There was there, no signs that, that, that anything had happened physically that caused them to be blind. Their eyes should be working. They were perplexed by this until they began to hear some of the women's stories. One reported that, uh, that, 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 that she had just seen so many people in her village murdered in front of her eyes. And that, uh, that, 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 she, um, that, 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 that she cried for three days straight. And she said, she said after she got done crying, she couldn't see anymore. Another woman reported uh, her, her, her husband being disemboweled in front of her. And, and, and she was told, um, uh, you're not allowed to cry. This man is a traitor. If you cry, we'll kill you too. And so, so she said that, 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 that having to keep all that emotion inside, something inside of her snapped, and then she was blind. 
another reported uh, uh, running to, um, to, uh, to the refugee camp. And as she was running with, with people in her village, um, uh, as she was running, she just, just heard the sounds of one by one uh, uh, the other people she was running with being captured behind her and the sounds and the screams of them being murdered. She said by the time she got to the refugee camp, she was blind. That's what the doctors realized was that it wasn't a hardware problem. Right? There was nothing wrong with their eyes. It was a software problem. Right? That there was something that happened psychologically. That there was something inside of them that, 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 that is like a fuse blue. And, and, and a part of them that, 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 that connected their eyes to their brain had just stopped working. There was something inside of them that said, I can't see any more of this. And, and then just decided to stop seeing. It seen so many terrible things that there was a part of them that just stopped looking. They call this functional blindness. I wonder if it was like that. Just, just the buildup of trauma. That the disciples had seen and experienced so many horrible things in the past couple of days. They had seen this person that they had loved be nailed to the cross. One of the most brutal torture devices ever created. They had seen him be humiliated and whipped and stripped and spat upon. And at some point, Something inside of them said, no more. I can't look anymore. I can't see Jesus anymore. See, I can think of times in my own life where I've kind of experienced this, can't you? I can think of a time when... um, when, when, uh, when, when Crystal and I uh, uh, lost a baby boy and there was just something inside of me that just couldn't see Jesus anymore, right? There was something inside of me that, that, that my spiritual eyes just stopped working for a little while. And that didn't mean that he wasn't walking with me. That didn't mean that he wasn't talking with me, trying to tell me things. That didn't mean that, that he wasn't holding me and loving me, but, but there was something inside of me that just, just, just wouldn't look, wouldn't let myself hope. And that part of me had to be healed. And I wonder if you've ever experienced something similar. A time when, 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 when your spiritual eyes just stopped working. You couldn't hear his voice. You couldn't see his face. You couldn't feel his touch. Has that happened to you? Are you going through that right now? Has it been a little while? So Luke doesn't tell us exactly what kept them from seeing right? We don't know. Your guess is as good as mine. But he does tell us exactly what opened their eyes. 
See, they've been walking and talking all day long, and, uh, and the sun is getting low in the sky, and the disciples get to the, the place where they're staying. And Jesus makes like he's, he's going to keep walking on down the road, and, and the disciples say, hey, friend, come stay a night with us. It's dangerous to be out there at night. Spend the night with us, and then you can, uh, you can uh, go along in the morning. Well, they invite Jesus into their home, and something strange happens. This stranger that they've invited starts acting like the host. He sits at the head of the table. He takes the bread. This is what the host is supposed to do. He takes the bread and he prays for it. He blesses it. Maybe he uses the traditional Jewish blessing. Blessing are you, O Lord, King of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth and fruit from the vine. Then he breaks the bread. And their eyes are opened. They can see. Maybe it was the nail-pierced hands breaking the bread. Maybe it was the sound of his voice saying those words he had said so many times before. Maybe for the first time, they locked eyes with the strangers and they saw that, that kindness looking back at them. Whatever it was, that thing inside them that had broken, that had snapped, was put back together. And they could look. And they could see. They could taste and they could touch. And they said, were not our hearts burning within us the whole time? So it was, and so it is. When we come to this table, our eyes are opened. When we come to this table, we see Jesus' presence in our lives. We receive healing. Now, Christians throughout the ages have argued about exactly how it works. We Christians are good at finding things to argue about. And this is one of the things we've argued about. You know, our, our Catholic brothers and sisters say that, well, well it's like this, um, that, that, that when we pray the words, that the bread physically becomes Jesus' body and, 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 and the juice physically becomes his blood. Then others say, no, it's, it, it's a metaphor, it's a ritual, and, and, and it's these symbols that remind us, that jog our memory, that, that sort of awaken us to, to Jesus' presence in our lives. And like with so many other things, um, uh, we Methodists sort of split the difference and meet in the middle. And what we say is that physically it's bread, physically it's juice, but spiritually it's Jesus. That there's something that's happening on two levels, right? That, that, that physically we're eating bread and physically we're, we're, we're drinking juice, but spiritually, we're receiving Jesus' grace. The truth is, I don't know, neither do you, neither do the people in the street down, in, in the church down the road. There's a word that theologians use for this. It's called 
holy mystery. We just don't know. But we know that it works. We know that for as long as we've been doing this, for thousands of years, people have come to the table and they've caught a glimpse of Jesus. And that can be true for us this morning. If it's been a while since you've seen him, if it's been a while since you've heard his voice, if it's been a while since you've felt his touch, you can come to the table and have your eyes open. Maybe you'll see Jesus in the faces of those that you're coming to the table with. Maybe when you see the, the bread broken and the juice poured, maybe, maybe uh, that, 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 that will spiritually remind you and that sight will help you see Jesus. Maybe you'll feel his touch as you linger for a moment at the altar and pray. But something happens at the table. Maybe it's been a while. I kind of always think um, that, 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 that if I were there, I would, uh, I would take Lois Lane by the hand, right? I would say, come with me, you idiot. Look at this telephone booth. Take a hard look at it. Look inside that telephone booth. See down there? That's the tan suit. See on top of it? That's his hat. Those are the glasses. Clark Kent ain't here. Superman's over there. Maybe we need to be taken by the hand. See the empty tomb? See that linen crumpled up on the ground? Jesus isn't here. He's risen.